0: Welcome to episode 3. Today we have a special guest. Melinda Kans, is joining us. She is sharing her journey of escaping an abusive relationship to inspire hope in others. She now advocates for victims and survivors of emotional traumas by empowering women and men to break free from negative patterns and beliefs that are holding them back from having a life free from abuse. Thank you for reviewing, downloading, and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over an Apple podcast. Hit that subscribe button and enjoy this conversation with Melinda. Get ready to reclaim your life, discover inspiring stories, practical tools, and the path to true happiness. This is Reclaim Your Life with Irina. Let's begin the journey. Hello, welcome to Reclaim Your Life with Irina. Today we have a wonderful guest who is Melinda Kunst. She's joining us from Indiana. She's a child of abuse survivor turned advocate and mentor to serve women and men that are recovering from emotional traumas. Welcome, Melinda. It is a pleasure to have you. How are you today?
1: Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I appreciate that. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. So I appreciate this. Awesome. So share with us who you are, who is Melinda all about. Share your story.
1: All right. Well, you know, we talked about that wake up moment. Well, for me, I am again a childhood abuse survivor as well as domestic violence survivor. I grew up in a situation where abuse was normalized. I had no idea that there wasn't anything, uh, anything else that became my normal. So, going into an abusive situation, myself being married, um, that was normal. That was completely normal. Anybody else? friends or boyfriends guys that were attracted to me when I was a teenager that were nice they were just the nice guys oh you're just too nice to me you know I would push them away Mm -hmm. I would just say oh you're more like a brother to me because that's it didn't feel unless I was being mistreated I know this sounds weird if no one's been in this kind of relationship that didn't feel normal to me It it felt very surreal it really did so I ended up gravitating or somebody gravitated toward me that was abusive as a teenager when I was 17. We ended up getting married. Um, I was under distress for doing so. And sometimes when you're with a person that's abusive, they might make threats saying, you know, if you leave, I'll kill myself. If you leave, I'll kill you. Um, if you leave, you know, I'll tell everybody that you were this awful person. There's things that they might do threaten, threaten you in order to keep you, keep that control, keep isolated. And so I believed him all the way up until that day that I was supposed to marry him. I desperately was looking for some sort of way out and, you know, waiting for somebody to come and rescue me. And unfortunately that didn't happen. I married him, but out of that union, we have three beautiful children now adults. So um, after 20 plus years, I left him for the third and final time. I was, my eyes were open in 2007. When I went to a woman's shelter, I was in fear for my life. So I went to a shelter. It was at that moment when the lady that took me in, the intake gal, she said, Melinda, you're abused. Did you know you're a victim of abuse? What? So I was picturing in my mind, the Hollywood kind of abuse that you see sometimes in movies. And I'm going to date myself here. I'm 51. So back in the seventies, eighties, there was a movie called Burning Dead. That was with Sarah Fawcett. And she just went through some horrendous stuff. So I was just picturing that Hollywood type of situation where a woman is being abused. I had no idea that I was abused. I didn't have broken bones. I, to me, abuse looked like that, that you would have to be bloody and you know, big black eyes and so on. But there are covert reasons, or I shouldn't say reasons, there's covert abuse. That's where someone will do it mentally they'll do it emotionally they will play um, they might abuse you physically sexually so people can't see that or that that physical abuse it might be pinching or pulling your hair tripping you there's things that they might do that is physical abuse in your mind you're thinking I'm not bloody my bones are not broken you know it's it's he's just really rough with his language or her language as abuse can as we know now with Johnny Depp and Amber Amber Heard we know this between men and women so I was just envisioning this Hollywood type of situation. And so that was like a dose of cold water, but I did go back. I went back two other times, tried to leave countless times. I, but physically I left twice in 2007. And then for the final time, February 25th of 2009. And now I'm remarried. I have an 11 year old son with my new husband. His name is Terry, but I call him Mr. Awesome we have a little farm. I'm hoping to get a healing sanctuary out here so I can have people come to my home and we do some healing here. Lots of healing work. But it had been surreal for me this life that I'm living now. And, uh, you know, if you would have told me back maybe 14, 15 years ago that I would be living, first of all, I'd be living and I would have a new son, a new husband that loves me that's never raised a hand to me. I would have laughed at you because it just seemed like nonsense and and that can't be real. That, there's no way that could be real. So my wake up call was for me was to have my daughter, my then young daughter, middle daughter, call me. One was at um, my shop that I worked antique shop. It was with his family, and she called. She says, "Mom, dad's chasing Matt around the yard," and she's telling me like a play by play as things are going on. Mm-hmm. And she starts crying. She's like, "He has him on the ground and he's choking him." So I'm telling her call 911. If you feel safe enough, call 911. Um, Because as a victim to this child, I wanted them to feel safe. I wanted her to call 911, but I didn't want to put her in danger. We learn how to have develop coping skills when you're with an abuser. So for her, it was just calling them. So I hurried up, I raced home, closed up the shop, got there, and uh, the situation de-escalated by the time I had made it home. But that was definitely the wake-up call that um, something needed to be done. I didn't realize the extent of the abuse that he was doing on the kids. I had some inklings. I mm-hmm. saw little bits, and, little bits and pieces here and there, but I didn't know to what extent. And um, it's not that I was blind. He was doing a lot of that when I wasn't home. I find out there was also some alleged molestation. I didn't find out way after we were divorced until my middle daughter who called me that one fateful day um, had told her boyfriend, hey, this happened to me. And um unfortunately, time had elapsed, so we were unable to press any charges. And she also, for her own embarrassment and shame, asked me not to. But I did look into it. Um, but unfortunately, and nothing was ever done. And so the whole situation with my separation, it was almost like um that was like somebody was a reality show looking over our shoulder. there was a murder for hire. He had people stalking me. He paid people to do that. Uh, He actually was, his next plan was to kidnap me or find someone to kidnap me and um, gang rape me. Whether there uh, there was going to be a murder, that was a separate situation. So there was a lot going on. There was a lot of scary things. Um, It was very surreal. That was really, really wild. So for four years, it took four years for me to finally get divorced. Uh, And his actions through his own, his own actions, I should say, the attorneys in the court then realized they were dealing with somebody that was not um, stable; that he was very unstable, and he showed his own true colors. So it was very scary; it really was. So healing that PTSD, that Stockholm syndrome, that will probably be a long life challenge for me. But I'd like to think that I'm at least ninety-five or so percent healed from that. But now I share with others how I healed. I share them uh, with everybody my own story everything. I mean, I don't let anything, I I don't keep too much to myself. There's a few things that are really graphic that I haven't shared. But for the most part, I'm an open book, because I think we need to open up the doors on what abuse looks like. And it looks different for everybody. And uh, please, if you're listening out there, don't judge my story. by Okay, well, I'm not going through anything that bad. It's just a little mental. No, abuse is abuse, no matter what. And sometimes those words those emotional, the verbal words that someone calls calls you or or says to you or shouts at you can really hurt more deep than those fists, they really can. But so right now, what I do again, I mentor and I advocate for other women and men. I try and share those resources of video interviews. I've had you as well. Um, I do podcasting and just to get that story out. And also a big part of that is my faith and how my faith played a part in
0: keeping me sane. And healing as well. Yeah, awesome. Wow, such an incredible story. And the fact that you are here today and uh, yes. mentioned that, you know, if somebody spoke to you some years ago, you would never have believed that it would be true. But here you are. What hey. were s- some of the tools that you used in your recovery process in getting back sanity? I know you mentioned uh, gut. But what, what what was there any other tools that you implemented in your life?
1: Oh yes. Well, we had to do court-appointed counseling. And I, I think when you, many people that are in this type of situation or divorce situation, separation, especially when there's kids involved, when it's a heightened, they might have a court-appointed counselor or therapist. Um, I went, we had ups and downs with that too. But for me, counseling didn't really work. The therapy didn't work for me. I would find myself actually more regressing. And I know people out there might be listening saying, well, you have to dig up your stuff in order to heal. Yes. But I was actually having anxiety attacks more so when I knew I was going to see this particular or these therapists and I would leave works. It would take me, it might be a month to month. When I see this person, it might take me several weeks just to recover from that therapy session. It's like, I don't feel like i'm I'm any better. I felt worse. So for me, it looked like getting more more holistic. It mm-hmm. meant for me to go and figure out, well, what can I do that was not medication because I try to be as um, find myself natural ways to heal my body. I am also a Lyme disease warrior. So finding something more natural that I can do more inexpensive because at the time I was without a job, and um, I needed something in order to just be affordable, but that I enjoyed and I would look forward to. So that would be walks. I would go out in nature. I would ground myself. I learned about grounding. I learned about sounds and frequencies and how to raise your vibration with that. A lot of prayer. Girl, I spent a lot of time on my knees praying, pouring through my Bible um, and also essential oil. So a lot of things started evolving as I began began the healing process. It took time, but I would find different healing modalities that would work for me. Journaling was a huge part in my recovery as well, which led to me eventually writing a book about my, my history and also how I healed. But finding those little tools, dancing, I would crank on some music and dance. But the thing was, I would do some of these things and I would get the kids to come along with me. We would go out in nature for walks. We would, they would have dance Dance a with me, you know, 10, 15 minutes, we would just dance off. And they didn't know that I was really struggling or I was having a moment because I kept a lot of the court proceedings and interactions with my ex. Uh, I kept them kind of in the dark. I didn't need them to, they already have enough going on with their own trauma and uh, healing from that. I didn't need them to have the extra stress of hearing me badmouth them, which I tried not to do. And I tried desperately not to do that in front of them. I wouldn't belittle him or anything like that. Uh, even there came a point where they would start calling him by his first name. It's just, you know what? You, he's still your dad. You can mm-hmm. respect the title. Maybe you have no respect for him, but respect his title. He's still dad. Okay. So when you guys get older, if you want to call him by his first name, that's different, but for now, respect his position. So, and that was before I knew some of the other stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, those are things that I did though. Just things that I could do easily. It doesn't take much to grab a piece of paper and a pen and just write. Um, Sometimes I would go park somewhere and just scream somewhere desolate and quiet and just cry or scream. There were many times I would just go in the bathroom with a towel and, you know, on the floor, lock the door and just cry or, you know, just moan or or whatever I had to do. But uh, a lot of times, a lot of the healing was silent and between me and God. Um, But that was a long recovery. It still is. So long recovery but you know I'm so happy that I'm in a place where I am now I really am and just coming to grips with also my own junk healing for my own past but also whatever negative patterns that I pick up too you know there for a while I thought well maybe I'm a narcissist yeah after you start reading about these things you start thinking well maybe I'm this maybe I'm that but I had a lot of learned behaviors and coming to grips with like I'm not an abuser I'm not a narcissist I'm not gaslighting anybody learning what those terms were, but also learning more about me, how to be alone with myself that I didn't necessarily need a partner. I needed to learn my likes, my wants, my needs. I needed boundaries. I needed to start learning that as well. So keeping some distance between me and the news. I I couldn't watch the news there for the longest time because that was very triggering. I would try to keep away from people that were toxic, um, even if it's curse words. For some reason, well, I know what it is. It, for me, it's just um, something that I try and stay away with, stay away from, excuse me. There's a lot of curse words. Um, and a lot of it has to do with my ex used a lot of those words to me. So even though those words might be, the F-bomb might be in jest with somebody like, oh, you know, they may just say it randomly in conversation. For me, that's kind of triggering for me. So I try to refrain from not using it. Now, it does it fly out of my mouth every once in a while. Yes, it does. You know, my new husband, Mr. Awesome. Yeah, he's, He's very colorful in his language. He tries not to though. But um, so just doing these little things were baby steps. And I tried to make sure I did something at least once a day. And I'm all about five-minute self-care. So learning those affirmations, saying them, uh, saying looking at that mirror work, looking into the mirror and being able to stand the side of myself, beginning those baby steps really propelled me to the person that I am today. It's
0: so true. You know. My sessions with a therapist, of course, I didn't have uh, the same past as you, but similar, (laughs) my sessions also didn't help me. And I love how you, you know, you took it upon yourself to find the tools that uh, would get you better. And walking, walking was one of the first thing I did uh, on my recovery as well. (laughs) <laughs> and surrounding yourself, you know, uh, segregating yourself from news and things that are triggering, I think is so powerful and a great deal. And you know, conversations that you had, with God, conversations with yourselves, and going inside more so than, you know, I was also looking for somebody to come rescue me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that was hard, hard not to do. Yes, that was
1: hard. You hard become to your do.
0: own rescuer in the sense that. Uh, it's up to you, you know, to pick up the pieces, to dig what's not working, to figure out what you like and what you dislike. So-
1: exactly. And I really didn't trust myself at that time. That the very early baby stages of my recovery, I didn't trust a lot of the decisions I was making. A lot of times I heard my ex, his voice in my head. But also I didn't want to jump into, I didn't want to jump into another relationship. I didn't trust myself to to jump into another abusive relationship because I wasn't quite sure what. What does toxic look like? I I didn't really know at that time. I just know that they gave me this label. I didn't want to be that label anymore. And I didn't want my kids to know that that abuse, what we went through is normal. I wanted them to know that there is healthy relationships out there somewhere. And I was set out to find it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Great, great, great point. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. Okay. I want to ask you some personal questions. What were... uh, what did you want to be when you wanted, when you were growing up? Oh,
1: gosh, I had a laundry list of things I wanted to be. I, I kid you not. There was like 10 things on my list. I wanted to be an actress, a singer, a librarian, a teacher, an archaeologist, a parapsychologist.
0: Quite oh, wow. <laughs> so a few things. A dancer. yes. And the, what do you do now? Do you have any elements of what you had as a child growing up? Do you have them in your life now? Uh, you know, I I still sing. I do a lot of singing around the house.
1: You know, I haven't, that's still um, a thing that I don't do often because that was something my ex said. And was like, well, you sing terrible. You sing this. So that's something I need to conquer. And, you know, I was actually thinking about hiring that voice coach mm-hmm. and, um, and eventually just start belting out some tunes. So, you know, that's one of my things in my bucket list to do. Um, but the parapsychology, I'm very spiritual. So um, this is actually the first house that we've lived in where there's no spirits ever since I've grown up. So this is the very first place that there hasn't been anything in. Every once in a while, we have someone visit us, but I tell them, you know what, you need to go. You're not welcome. You need to go. I don't care how friendly you are. You need to go. We don't want to pick up any psychic, you know, any spiritual hitchhikers. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I still am connected with that. Um, Very much, very much with that. Uh, We still have dance-off. Every once in a while, we'll just throw some tunes on and dance with the kids. And I still like old, dusty stuff. I'm an antique dealer. So,
0: I mean, it's not archaeology, but (laughs) I do still like doing that. That's awesome that you retain those things that you wanted as a kid. Because we are still, even though we are grown up, we still have that little kid inside of us. And it's important to cherish that little kid and give them (laughs) what they need definitely what sets your soul on fire what makes you happy oh moments with god definitely
1: my kids my husband litter <laughs> love shiny things wind chimes <laughs> but learning learning definitely learning and uh, being able to help and serve others are definitely my top things what is your
0: proudest accomplishment?
1: Leaving, leaving my abusive situation and
0: staying gone. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. If you could do, choose to do anything for a day, what would it be? Oh.
1: Anything for a day. It would probably be to, to be able to, and this is my dream anyway, to have a not-for-profit to help um, others that are dealing with abuse. Mm -hmm. But if I could do that, that would be awesome. I love it. Even for a day, just to learn, that would be amazing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Who is your hero? Do you have a hero?
1: Uh, You know what? I would have to say I'm my own hero. Well, no, I take that back. My favorite person ever is my daughter, Jess. She has, she is amazing. She's the brave one that called me, that told me about her dad and her brother. She also, she was also in the hospital at at the time for a suicide attempt when she was young, she was about 12. And she bravely told the nurse that, um, that her dad had hit her before. She's just the, the bravest lady I know. She's really cool lady. She's 23 now. She's went through a lot. She's just conquered or on the path to conquering thyroid cancer. So she's my shero. <laughs> she's postpartum. And this poor girl, she's went through so much, but she is, she just keeps going and she's amazing.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes our kids could be so yeah. much more than we could ever realize. Yes. <laughs> yes. What makes you laugh the most?
1: Oh, you know, hearing my kids laugh. <laughs> hearing my my husband laugh. Those are the things. And if, if they're not around, we have farm animals. We have chickens and uh, even just nature animals. Just seeing them. I have grandbabies and they're under five. So <laughs> watching them oh, you know, that gives me a nice belly laugh. I love watching them laugh, you know, just mm-hmm. hearing them laugh. Yes.
0: That's amazing. And you look so young to have grandbabies. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <You're> welcome. <laughs> what do you want to be, what do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? Oh, gosh. Ah.
1: To be probably boundaries, definitely boundaries. Yeah, boundaries. You know, I'd like to say to feel safe with everybody, but sometimes you don't have that. But definitely learning boundaries. What's okay? What's not okay?
0: Um. What do you want to be remembered by? Uh. i survived
1: i just want people to remember my face remember my story and know that i survived yeah i don't want to be forgotten just because i don't want to be a statistic i I know i didn't want to be there
0: yeah yeah i think we all we all have stories and it is important to share that story because it could be uh, relate to somebody else and could answer their uh, unspoken things because sometimes it's difficult to express how you feeling exactly and even if you're
1: not on a big platform like this like like you're doing when with your other guests too you know just that one-on-one that you share maybe on the internet or maybe a neighbor's going through something a health challenge or something and not necessarily abuse you're right getting that story out so important
0: yeah is there anything that i haven't asked you yet that you want to share with us I don't think so
1: <laughs> I don't think so off the top of my head I don't think so no. No, but, you know we talked a little bit before I guess I'm really shy about talking about me and my own needs and stuff but no 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 I can't think of anything um, yeah, maybe just prayers if you could just pray I'm hoping to get a not-for-profit going or, or something going in my area to help others um, A lot of times I do I do speak. To other victims and i buy them coffee so if anybody wants to buy me coffee they can so i can pass that along to somebody that needs uh needs it um, i buy journals and so on a lot of it's out of pocket which i love doing don't get me wrong but sometimes that can be a little I, I guess i would just like to know or maybe what can help me out learning how to how to utilize those tools in order to to have other people the
0: community help Does That make sense. What, what what do you mean well,
1: like, um, I'm not a not-for-profit yet. Okay. And eventually I'd like to, but, um, uh, kind of looking, not a on me, like, um, uh, they have something called buy me coffee. It's where people two bucks or something, and they give to you to use, utilize whatever way you're, you'd like to do. And, uh, for me, it's to buy, I go to a local shelter and I buy them little, little gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a card. Sometimes I'll make up little goodie bags for them. And it means a lot. I'll buy a journal for them, and uh, yeah. If anybody wants to help with that, if anybody has a donation, you know, free will donation, that'd be awesome too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll share the links in episode notes. All right. so if People would like to connect with you, work with you, donate with you. Yeah. Where would they go? I have a link tree. It's Linktree and Melinda Kunst.
1: It's not imaginative. I'm sorry. It's Linktree
0: and Melinda Kunst. No worries. So we'll. we'll I'll share the link in the, in the episode notes so people can uh, contact you and donate with you and learn more about you.
1: And, and Facebook. I'm on Facebook with uh, my page is Hope When There Was None.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So thank you, Melinda, so much for coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate uh, Learning from you. Thank you. Oh, thank you
1: for the opportunity. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Reclaim Your Life with Irina. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and also greatly help when you download the episode. Share this episode with a friend and remember you're only one decision away from reclaiming your life.